I'm very, very excited to share this. It's just been stirring in me all week. The title is The Spirit of Fear. This is session five in our Master Gardening of the Soul series. We've been talking over the last several weeks about the importance of our soul, the prospering of our soul. We are made in the image of God. We are three parts, spirit, soul, and body. Our spirit is the part of us that was completely perfected when we received Jesus and accepted his sacrifice. We were perfected. Sin was remitted. The barrier that was keeping us from relationship with God was removed. The sin barrier was removed. We were perfected in a state of righteousness. It's our state of our being. We were sealed with the Holy Spirit. Our spirit was sealed, and it is perfected once and for all. That's good news. Amen. But our soul and our body weren't so perfected. And the garden of our heart, or the garden of our soul, when we were saved, had the same weeds in it that were there before we were saved. By weeds, I mean lies and, I don't know, junk, weeds, woundedness. Today we're going to talk about fear. A lot of that stuff could have still been in there. But, but, we had this amazing God. And this is the, our, 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 um, basic scripture that we keep going back to every week. It's 1 Thessalonians 5.23. And it says, Now, may the God of peace himself make you holy, set apart, sanctified, consecrated. All of those words are, are synonyms of holy. May the God of peace himself sanctify you, consecrate you, set you apart in every way and May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless. The words kept blameless mean to be carefully tended and taken care of. So God says, I want all of you whole. My Jesus came to give us a rich and a satisfying life. He took the stripes on his back for our healing in every area, spirit and soul and body. He wants us whole, and he himself has a part in tending our heart, tending the garden of our heart. And then the next verse says, God will make this happen, for he who calls you is faithful. Now, we have a free will, and our part is to believe his part. Our part is to know, and when I say know, uh, there's so much more than intellectual knowing, there's spiritual knowing. So, That's my heart here, is to just feed and feed. I know Tom was talking about revelation as we started. So my prayer, God, my prayer for this day is that revelation will come into our hearts, not mine, not not just mine, but other hearts too, many hearts. In fact, I am going to pray that revelation is poured into every heart that hears this word. That it isn't just an intellectual thing, but it's a heart receiving from your words spoken directly to our hearts. May we gain revelation today of your best for us to walk free of the spirit of fear, to be delivered once and for all from the spirit of fear, because that isn't from you. And I ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.
Amen. Okay. So we have, um, we have looked at different possible bad roots in the garden of our heart. The first bad root that we looked at was the, the root of wounding, of being hurt by others or even possibly by yourself. So we looked at wounding. The second bad root we looked at was lies. The enemy is the author of lies. He is a deceiver. So we looked at lies and how lies often masquerade as truth, but they're not. They're twisted. So we looked at lies and the importance of those lies being renounced and exchanged with God's truth. So we spent a couple of weeks talking about lies. Today we're going to the third bad root, which is the spirit of fear. We're going to be looking at the spirit of fear in general today. Next week, we're going to look at one specific fear, which is the fear of rejection and the fear of man. They kind of go hand in hand. So that's next week. But today we're going to talk about the spirit of fear. First thing I want to do is differentiate between natural fear, which is very, um, uh, uh, it's a protection that God has given us. It's God-given. It's okay. We're going to distinguish between natural fear and the spirit of fear. So natural fear is a healthy function, and it can serve us well. A good dose of fear can keep a child from running into a busy street or from picking up a poisonous snake. And that's good. That's protection for us. Natural fear sets boundaries for us and can even give us physical strength when needed. My example that I want to share of natural fear is um, I have a very... Uh, strong, (laughs) natural fear of heights. And I refuse a spirit of fear of heights. But I do have a natural fear that protects me. A couple years ago, Kent and I went to the Grand Canyon. And it was, so far in my life, it was the most marvelous, magnificent thing that I've ever seen of God's creation. That thing isn't the right word. The most amazing, precious gift of creation that I've yet to see. In, on this earth. When we got to the Grand Canyon, um, as you drive up to you, you don't really see anything. It looks just like Arizona. It's not that pretty at all. And Ken had been there before, and he was watching for my reaction. So we come up. It's a, it, the state park is about 20 miles long. The canyon is about 600 miles long. So it's just a little bit of the canyon that you can actually go in this, this road that, that you know, goes through the national park. So we get to the very first place where you can see the canyon. You don't see it. There's, um, there's a, a, a building, like a, um, I don't know, a nature center or something there. And there's, you see decks and you see everything, but you don't see the canyon. So you walk behind the building, take the sidewalk. And when I got the first glimpse of the Grand Canyon, I was so overwhelmed with awe. I was totally embarrassed because I stood there and I cried. I just cried because of the, the immensity of the beauty and the glory of this creation. I just stood there and did everything I could do not to cry. There was also a plaque that had a psalm on it, and that just blessed the heck out of me to see scripture in this place that I was just overwhelmed with the beauty of creation. So we spent time there, and then we got in the car, and as we started to, it was a 20-mile um, you know, drive, and I told Kent, my, my amazing husband, I said, Kent, I want to stop at every single turnoff. 
I want to stop everyone. I was just so awed. So we did. He blessed his heart. He stopped and he stopped and he stopped. And every time we'd get out and I'd walk, some of them were areas where you could literally walk on little trails and things where the canyon is right there and you're very close to the edge of the canyon. I remember one of the points that we were walking, there were some stupid kids, and I mean stupid. In fact, the woman that was kind of there with us said, you can't fix stupid. (laughs) They were on this thing that jutted out over the canyon, this big rock. They had to kind of step over some crevices and stuff to get out there. And they were on this big point that overhung the canyon that went down for miles. They were standing backwards on the edge, just posing and stuff, on the very edge, getting their picture taken. And it was really windy that day. And, and that healthy, natural fear in me was like going crazy. It was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. When Kent wanted pictures taken, it was like, honey, you're too close to the, you're too close to the edge. Come, come this way. Because a lot of times there were no railings. Anyway, that's that natural fear. I did not fall off the canyon. It protected me. That natural fear was good for me. I'm here. I'm safe and sound because of natural fear. But a spirit of fear, a spirit of fear goes well beyond natural fear. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear. A spirit of fear can put us into bondage. It can cripple us. It can keep us from living a joyful life. It can keep us from living an abundant life. The danger of living with a spirit of fear is that it can become a stronghold. I hate when the devil twists something and turns it into a a stronghold that can keep his people from living the life that he's intended. And I'm believing today that we're going to get rid of some junk that you may have held on to that you didn't even realize you were holding on to. Fear is an antichrist spirit. I used that same word last week when we were talking about self-hatred. Self-hatred is an antichrist spirit because we're made in the image of God. And if we hate ourselves, we're hating the God in us. That's antichrist. That's against Christ. Fear is another antichrist spirit because the enemy's goal in fear is to make us into his image instead of God's image. The demonic realm is fear personified. Uh Uh-uh. He's not going to have that way in me. He's not going to have that way in you if I have anything to say about it. The enemy wants to establish those strongholds of fear. It's like poison. It's like getting us to take poison. There's a chart on your handout, and Kent's also going to be putting it, or Tom's going to be putting it up here. We're going to go through one line at a time, and we're going to look at this parallel between fear and faith, where the enemy has taken something very good, and he's twisted it. So fear is actually having faith in the negative. So let's look at each line of this chart. The first is that faith is God's creative power. We're going to look at faith first. Faith is God's creative power, and it results in Jesus' purpose being fulfilled. 
So faith is believing in the amazing God, our God, believing in him and in his word. His work is done. Faith is believing in his work. When we choose in our soul, that's where we do the believing, in our mind, in our emotions, when we choose to believe and agree with God, there's creative power. There's a connection between our soul and the finished work. And that's where the creative power connects for us to receive the the abundance of life that Jesus came to give. That's really good news. But the enemy's twisted that. And fear is a destructive power. It works very much the same, though. But instead of the finished work of God, we got the enemy's junk. And whatever that looks like in in, in life, it might be sickness. It might be a bad report. It might be fear of financial stuff. It might be relationship issues. But if your focus is there, if your soul is agreeing with the problem, your mind, your chooser, your will, your emotions, if it's believing in the problem, the destructive power of the enemy has the power to bring that to pass. So instead of living the abundant life of faith, you live the life that, G- that the enemy's purpose is, which is stealing, killing, destroying. So faith is God's creative power, and it's good. Fear is very similar, but it's the enemy's destructive power. The next level of the chart says that Jesus is the author and the developer of our faith. That's Hebrews um, 12, 2, I believe. Jesus is the author. He wrote the book, and it has a good ending. He's the finisher. He already did his part. It's done. And when we believe God's part, it's manifest in our life. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Faith is Jesus-focused. Faith is when you keep your eyes on Jesus in the finished work. And it just rises up. This, This faith that is already in us, the fruit of faith, just rises up to agree with God when we keep our eyes on Jesus. But fear is the author and developer is the enemy. He's the author and the developer of fear. And fear is inward focused. You're looking at the issue. You're looking at the problem. You're looking at the symptoms. You're looking at whether you're good enough, whether you've done enough, whether you've missed anything. It's inward-focused instead of Jesus-focused. We need to shift our focus. The third level of this chart says, faith comes by hearing the word of God, which is truth. Truth. Hearing God's word brings faith. Fear comes by hearing the word of the enemy, which is lies. The, the, the report of man, I, Fran taught an amazing teaching last summer, and I have referred so many people to this teaching. It's called Exalt the Truth Over the Facts. The stuff that we live in, in the mess of this world, is often in direct opposition to the truth. If it opposes the truth, we don't want to put our focus there. Because fear will be developed 
the next level of this chart says, faith is developed by meditating. So it comes by hearing, but it's developed by meditating on the truth. That's another whole teaching. What is meditation? And I'm not going to spend the time teaching on that right now, but meditating is just digging in, chewing, feeding on the word, speaking it out loud, um, letting God un- unveil it little by little, give you that revelation like we were talking about earlier, letting God deepen it in you. And the result of meditating on truth is that you are built up. You are edified. How many of you have experienced that? When you're in the middle of a situation, a difficult time, and you start meditating on the word, you take the promises of God, you start letting God speak to you, you speak them out loud, you might talk to God about them. You just continue to stay in the word, and suddenly, instead of feeling oppressed and fearful, you're built up, you're edified. There's power in meditation because the process that's happening is your mind is being renewed. It's being renewed in the process. But the opposite is true in the side of fear. Fear is developed when we meditate on the lies or the problem or the junk, the inward focus stuff. It's called worry. People are really good at meditating, but they meditate on the wrong thing. That's what worry is. If you allow yourself to worry, you're just turning things around and around in your mind or out of your mouth. The problem is that you're being, um, I want to get the right word, can't read my own writing, weakened. Instead of being edified, you're being weakened. When you allow yourself to, to worry, to meditate on the problem, you're not being built up. You're being weakened, and fear has even more access. Remember when we talked about wounds and how there's the potential for infection? If you have an open wound, well, that's potential for infection. Infection of the spirit of fear because you're being weakened. Your, your spiritual immune system is being weakened. The next level of this chart says, faith pleases God. I'm going to read a scripture. This is Hebrews 11.6, and this is, there's not a slide for this. But Hebrews 11.6 says, I got Hebrews 6.11. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. For whoever would come near to God must necessarily believe that God exists and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So without faith, it's impossible to please God. So with faith, we do please him. But fear, fear is sin. This is Romans fourteen twenty three, and again, there's not a slide for this. Listen to this. For whatever does not originate and proceed from faith is sin. Whatever is not a faith is sin. Worry's not a faith. Fear is not a faith. The scripture says, whatever is not a faith is sin. When I learned that one truth, I changed a behavior. The behavior was worry. And in my life, it had to do with um, my children. I had been told my whole life that a good mother worries about her kids. So I want to be a good mother. And I would have all these 
worried thoughts that would swim around in my head, especially at night when my kids were teenagers and they were out. I had these awful imaginations of what could be happening and all the, all the terrible things and the accidents and the police coming to my door and all that stuff until I read that scripture and I took God at his word and I said, I am not worrying. That's sin. I'm not going to do it. And I turned it off. When my kids were out at night, they knew what my expectations were. They knew they were supposed to come in at their curfew and wake me up if I was asleep. And they did. I would go to bed at whenever I wanted to go to bed and go right to sleep. And they would come kiss me, wake me up when they got home. No worry. I refused to worry. And I have not ever picked that one back up again. Because it's sin. Fear and worry is sin. The last level of this chart. Faith leads. Fear drives. God's way is so much more loving, so much more perfect. The next big idea I want to talk about, faith always triumphs over fear. Isn't that good news? Faith trumps fear. I'm going to share two different Greek words that are translated as fear. They are, they're, they're very different, but they're both very important to, to understand. The first word is the Greek word phobio. And it means, it's probably the word where, that our word phobia comes from. It means to put to flight by terrifying, to be struck with fear, to be seized with alarm. So just for a moment, think of a time when you've had that kind of fear. Maybe you were in a near accident. Maybe you were, um, uh, uh, heard something in your house and you weren't sure what it was and you just had that moment of terror or alarm. That's that word. That's the word fear. Now, I'm going to read three scriptures with that word phobio in it. And in each of these scriptures, you'll see the word that is the Greek word phobio underlined. So the first one is Matthew 10, verse 28 through 31. Jesus is speaking, and he's talking about the sparrows and the flowers and all of these natural things that God takes such good care of. And yet we are worried about things in life. And God says, don't do that. I take care of the sparrows. Don't you think I'm going to take care of you? Don't be afraid. Don't have phobio. Don't be in terror. Don't worry. So verse 28, he says, Do not fear. Do not have phobias about those who could kill the body but cannot kill the soul. But rather, fear him. Be deeply reverent of him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell if you don't receive Jesus. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore. Don't be terrorized. Don't panic. Don't be seized with alarm. You're of more value to God than sparrows. If he's going to take care of the sparrows of the field, the flowers, he's going to take care of us. The next scripture is the one that Fran referred to earlier, 1 John 4.18. This is one of my favorite. Number one scriptures when it comes to fear. 
The scripture says there is no fear in love. That word is terror or seized with alarm or put to flight by terrors to be struck with fear. There's no fear in love, but perfect love. And this refers to the perfect love of God. Perfect love casts out fear. When it talks about cast out, it means takes it and moves it. It's gone. It's removed from me and it's cast out of me. The perfect love of God takes fear and casts it out of me. For fear involves torment. But he who fears, he who has torment, he who is seized by alarm, has not been made perfect in love. Now here's a word of of wisdom. If you have places in your life where you are seized with alarm, where you're seized with panic, where you're seized with this kind of phobia, fear, in that area, we need to know the love of God. In that specific area. So there may be areas of your life where you've overcome the spirit of fear. But there may be other areas where you're still fighting it. That's the area that you want to let the love of God take care of you. For example, maybe your area of fear is in sickness. Maybe you are, have a, a terror of, of sickness or pain. This is a healing class. It's not unusual to start in that place. But God says, by my stripes, Cindy, you have been healed. I saw you as the prize when I was going through that. And I loved you so much that I wanted to do it. That revelation he gave me this week about taking the stripes on his back and every stripe, he said, Cindy, I'm doing this for you. Cindy, I'm doing this for you. By this stripe, you're healed. Receive his love in that area and just watch fear go. Watch it be cast out. Maybe the area that you have fear in is fear of financial chaos. Like everything's going wrong and your finances are just... uh, messed up and you're in debt and you don't know how to pay the bills and there's debt people are calling and you've got intense panic about that situation well what does god say about it what does god say what is his promise what is his word i love the sparrows if i'm going to take care of the sparrows if i'm going to take care of the flowers i'm going to take care of you too just trust me let me help you every spiritual blessing from above is yours. You're my kid. You have my inheritance. What is the word you need? Take the word. Feed on it. Let the love of God cast out fear in that area. I have used this scripture many times when I have been fighting the spirit of fear. And it is powerful. I have literally felt like residue was leaving me like oppression was lifting and I was taking a spiritual shower and that heaviness of fear just was like completely washed off of me. And this is what I did. I meditated on the love of God. It's powerful. The perfect love, God's perfect love casts out fear. The third scripture I want to read is the one that my my friend Daniela from Austria 
gained revelation of in this past year of her life. Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. In the New King James, it says, You did not receive the spirit of bondage or the spirit of slavery again to fear. No. Instead, instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. Did you know that in the Old Testament, God was never called Father? Jesus called God Father. His term for his father was Abba. And this scripture says, now we call him Abba, Father. The word Abba is a term of endearment. The best word that we have in English for Abba is Daddy or Papa. It's a, it's a beautiful, uh, uh, close term for daddy, for father. It's not father. It's not, it's not um, formal. It's very informal. It's very intimate. Daddy, father, because we have been adopted. We, there, there's two parts to the scripture. It says, no, you don't live under the slavery of fear. Uh-uh. You live with the spirit of sonship or the spirit of daughtership with open access to your daddy. That's who we are. That's what our identity is. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. That last line, you kind of would like to just not hear that one. But you know what? God wants us to be a part of his family. Part of being a part of his family is stuff like persecution. Jesus was persecuted. His family, there was division. We experienced some of those same kind of things. And as I was reading this this week, I was, I, was, I was thinking about that suffering. It says we must also endure his suffering. I, was, I, was, I believe that this is what God was showing me. That as his children, we're burdened when he's burdened. We hurt when he hurts. We get mad when he gets mad. We see with his eyes. We have the mind of Christ. So when things really are bothering him or hurting him or frustrating him or angering him, they do us too. Because we're his sons, we're his daughters. I would like to do a little um, mini um, uh, session right now on the word adoption, a little teaching on that word adoption. It says in Romans 8 that we have been adopted as his own children. That word adoption is the word... I had this down at home. (laughs) Now let's see if I can do it again. Huiothesia. Huiothesia. It's made up of two Greek words, 
huios, which is sun, and tethema, which is place. And it literally means to place as a sun. So this word, adoption, speaks of being placed in a position of a son or a daughter who now possesses the same rights as the parent's natural children. The word adoption that's used in this scripture means to formally and legally declare that someone who is not one's own child is henceforth to be treated and cared for as one's own child, including complete rights of inheritance. This word, this, this word for adoption, weothesima, is um, part, was part of the culture of the, the days that Jesus was alive. It was called the Hellenistic era. And that was the era of time that Jesus and the people that lived when the Bible was written lived in. And at that time, adoption was a commonly known legal procedure. Often, a wealthy, childless man would adopt a young slave who would trade his slavery for sonship with all of its privileges. This adoption meant three things, probably more, but I'm going to tell you about three things that this adoption meant back in the day when Jesus lived. And I'm going to show you how it completely relates to us as believers as us, as adopted children of God. So here's the first thing that adoption meant way back when Jesus lived. First of all, that kind of adoption brought about a total break from the old family and instituted a new family relation with all of its rights, privileges, and responsibilities. The adopted person lost all rights of his own family, his old family, and he gained all the rights of a fully legitimate son in his new family. In the most literal sense and in the most binding legal way, he got a new father. That's what happened to us as believers. In John 8:44, it talks about you, your old father. It talks about being under the father of lies. Before we were saved, we were under the dominion of the enemy. But we were, we were transferred out of the darkness and into the light. That's what Colossians 1.13 says. We were moved out of the family of, and the dominion of the enemy and darkness and fear. And we were transferred into this new family with a new daddy. And our daddy is God. And in God, there is no spirit of fear. We have a new father. Completely legal. Completely legitimate. We are the children, the sons and the daughters of God. Abba. Abba, father. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that, again, let's go back to the Hellenistic adoption um, uh, facts. The, hell, the adopted son became an heir to his father's estate. And no matter how many other sons there were at that time or how many were born later, he was co-heir with them. And that was not subject to change. The same is true as us 
as believers. We are guaranteed an inheritance with all the children of God. And we are even co-heirs with Christ. We are, we've inherited the full inheritance of God. It's ours. It's our inheritance. The third fact about the adoption is that the old life of the adoptee was completely erased. All debts, all obligations were legally canceled. And the adopted son was regarded by the law as a new person. That's what happened to us as adopted children of God. All our old debts, all our old uh, stuff that we owed to pay for our sin, to pay for whatever, it has been canceled out. Our new daddy absorbed the loss, canceled the debt, and now we are fully and legitimately the daughters and the sons of God. Clean slate, perfected. Isn't that good news? Yes. So we have been, we, we are no longer under the slavery or the bondage of fear. Instead, and this is important, instead we have the, the spirit of sonship or the spirit of daughtership, not the spirit of fear. Spirit of fear gone because of the spirit of son, sonship, the spirit of daughtership. That's where we are. That's whose we are. And that's why we don't have to buy the lie of fear anymore. Okay, the second word that is also translated as fear in the New Testament is the Greek word delia. And this word means timidity, fearfulness, or cowardice. The scripture, 2 Timothy 1.7, uses this particular word, delia. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or cowardice or fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of sound judgment and personal discipline, abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. That's the amplified translation for 2 Timothy 1.7. So God didn't give us a spirit of fear. Uh Uh-uh, that's not from him. That's from the enemy. He didn't give us cowardice or timidity or fear, but he gave us power. He gave us power. These are powerful spiritual weapons, God's weapons for us to overcome the spirit of fear. Uh, Luke 10, 19 says, Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, You can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them and nothing will injure you. That's mine. That's yours. We can crush the enemy under our feet because we have authority over all of his power, including the spirit of fear. We also have love. We already talked about this. There's no fear in love, but God's perfect love casts out fear. So we have his love for us to cast out fear. We also have a sound mind. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. I'll never forget when I was first diagnosed with stage four cancer and I was overcome by the spirit of fear. 
with a lot of symptoms and stuff that came right along. It all was wound up together in this big yucky package. Fear, sickness, pain, symptoms, yuck, darkness, heaviness, oppression. And Jenny said, spend time with God every day. Read the Bible and pray. I'd never read the Bible. I'd never had a prayer life. And I started. What I was doing was what Isaiah says, whose mind is stayed on you. When our mind is stayed continuously on God, he'll give us peace. And that's what happened. Peace displaced that fear quickly. I quickly went from that oppressive fear to a supernatural peace. And that's why. Because I was using, I was doing something. I didn't know what I was doing. But because I was letting God have space in my life and in my heart, fear had to go. And peace displaced it. So we have a choice. We have a choice. That's why we're teaching about the soul. Because as our soul prospers, so does our body. As our soul prospers, we prosper in every area of our life. We have a choice. And when the spirit of fear attacks us, we can, we can react in one of two ways. We can either react from positive, faith-based emotions of power and love and a sound mind... Or we can react with negative fear-based emotions, which is letting the spirit of fear rule and reign. We have a choice. The word fear, you've probably seen this, but it's a good one, so I'm going to review it. It has four letters, and it's often, uh, we use it as an acronym, F-E-A-R, to say fear is false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. And the bottom line is behind every fear, there's a lie. So what we're going to do right now is to uncover some lies. I've taught on overcoming fear many times. Today, we're going to go a little bit deeper. It's important to know how to fight fear. That's very important. But today, my desire is that we uncover the root of fear. We're not just fighting the fear. We're finding the root, getting that root exposed and removed so that that spirit of fear is no longer there. So we, del- we pull that root, pull that bad root, get that bad root out of there. So we're going to uncover it. We're going we're gonna, to um, uh, just look at what fear is and say, okay, if that might be what it is, I'm getting rid of it. If that's in me, it's got to go. So here are some symptoms of fear. Worry about the future. Don't need to worry about the future. God told us that in that Matthew scripture. Don't worry about tomorrow. I remember when Kent and I retired. It was a little over three years ago. That was a big step to take. We were 50, I was 55. He was three years older than me. And it was a big step to take at that stage of our lives. We chose to do it without fear, without worry, knowing that God would take care of us. We were wise, as wise as we could be, in the natural, but we w- refuse to worry. And I still don't, and I'm not going to. Another symptom of fear is stress. Giving into stress. So many people receive stress and then sickness. 
what they're doing is they're allowing the spirit of fear through the stress. I've lived both ways. I've lived, receive, I've lived with stress receiving it, and I've lived without it. And both seasons of my life were every bit as busy, but one was without stress and without receiving it. You can have every bit as much of a busy, you know, active life with a lot of stuff going on, and you can do it without receiving stress, without allowing stress to consume you. You don't have to do it. That's another teaching I would, I'm going to be sharing soon because that's one that's really God has had on my heart. You can live without stress. God doesn't plan on you having stress. That's one of the symptoms of the spirit of fear. Another one is panic attacks or anxiety. We're going to go there in a minute and talk more about those kinds of things. Then there are three that are very similar, and they have to do with the delia kind of fear, the Greek word delia. Shyness, inferiority, or inadequacy. If you've bought those things and said, well, I'm shy. Hmm. I've bought that one. Cindy has. Next week, I'm gonna, when I share about the fear of rejection, I'm going to share my testimony of God revealing that to me as a lie. I am not shy. He didn't give me a spirit of shyness. He didn't give me a spirit of timidity. My mom and dad told me I was shy. People um, affirmed that I was shy. But that's a lie. Behind every fear, there's a lie. People say, well, that's your personality. Uh Uh-uh, God didn't give me that. So shyness, inferiority, or inadequacy, if those are things that you deal with, you're dealing with a spirit of fear. And then there's phobias, the phobio, the Greek phobio kind of fear. Lots of these. There's one whole category that goes along with sickness, aging, dying, hospitals, pain, toxins, chemicals, foods, wheat, sugar. Here are some other kind of categories of phobias. And actually, Megan's in about three of these. Loss, the fear of loss, the fear of loneliness relationships, intimacy. Many times they start with a loss and then there's a fear of that happening again. Unnecessary fear. God has a good plan and a good purpose for us. That one that you lost probably wasn't the best one for you and God knew that. So don't take it as a, oh my gosh, I'm afraid of ever having another relationship again. And I don't mean to make that light because it could be very, very burdensome. But God has a good plan for us. Another phobia is the fear of crowds, the fear of dark, the fear of driving, the fear of noises, the fear of storms, the fear of public speaking. Behind every one of those fears is a lie. Another area of phobias, poverty, the fear of success, the fear of responsibility, Another phobia, the fear of Satan, the fear of the demonic realm. He's, a, he's been stripped. He's been defeated and disarmed. No feet, no arms. We don't need to be afraid. We have authority. We have power over him. And then the last one on my list we're going to deal with next week in depth, and that's the fear of man and the fear of rejection. And there's more than that. There's a, too many to write down. The three greatest fears, according to um, some of the uh, 
research that I've done are the fear of death, the fear of rejection, and the fear of failure. Here are some of the ways that fear can enter. One way is through horror movies. <laughs> Supposedly, they're entertainment, but no, it's a way. It's a very real way that fear can enter. Another opening or open door for the spirit of fear is through occult activities. In a few weeks, I'm going to teach on occultism. Another way is through trauma, abuse or neglect, accidents, maybe the death of a loved one, a possible open door for fear. Another one, and this is a big one, is religious bondage, where people have been mistaught that God is harsh or punishing or angry. Fear of hell. Fear of losing salvation. Lots of stuff that you may have been taught wrongly that has opened the door for you to receive the spirit of fear. And the last one that I have on uh, is an example of a possible open door is uh, inherited from your family. Like you were raised in a fear-based family. Maybe fear of poverty or fear of sickness or fear of storms, or something like that. And because that's what you live, that's what you witnessed, that's what you experienced when you were a kid, you kind of grew up with those same things. But the good news is, just like my friend Daniela, who grew up with this thing that said, I have to be educated, and I have to you know, have this certain status, God showed her truth, who she really is. And if we've been brought up in a family that has a bondage to some fear... God can very, very easily, if we let him, and that's what we're going to be doing, he can take that thing, expose it, and then you just say, I renounce it. Bye-bye. Psalm 34, verse 4 says, I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. I sought the Lord. He heard me, because he does, and he delivered me. Today, we're going to get delivered. My heart, my prayer is that we have deliverance here. Salvation means saved, healed, and delivered. And we're going to go through this, this ministry time, this corporate ministry time, and pray just what we've been talking about. So the first thing I want to do on the screen, you're going to see um, some steps. And again, I just give these to you and to me as a guideline. There's nothing magic about those steps. They just help us to, to know how to go and ask God to help us to see if there's anything in our life that he wants to rid us of in the area of fear. So the, the, the question that I start with is, God, what roots of fear do I have? Do I have any? Are there any roots of fear in my life? And then I stop and listen. Now, as we were talking, I shared a lot of stuff, so maybe he's already shown you things. But we're going to take time to ask him. Another important question is, where did that start, God? When did that, where's the root of that? How did that root of whatever, in my daughter's case, you know, fear of being sick, where did that come from? Was it that first time when she had food poisoning when she was a junior in high school? Is that where it started? Whatever it is, ask God, where was the root? Is there someone I need to forgive? Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. But ask him. 
Because forgiveness is always something that has the potential to keep us imprisoned in our own self. So is there anybody I need to forgive in relation to this thing? Maybe if it's a fear of intimacy or a fear of relationships. There was a, a, a bad experience that you had in a relationship and you need to forgive the person who was on the other end of that relationship. So whatever it is, God will show you. So ask him. After you forgive, the other steps that go along with forgiveness are speaking it out, then releasing that person from any damage, any harm, and letting it go. That's when the chains get broken, that we're holding you in bondage. So forgive, release, let go. And then ask God, is there a lie behind this fear? Because behind every fear, there's a lie. Is there a lie I've been believing? If so, renounce it. (laughs) I renounce that lie. The word renounce means to formally declare that you're not going to believe it anymore. It's more than a change of mind. It's a change of heart. I choose to renounce that lie, God. And after you've renounced the lie, let him replace it with truth. And then the final step is to fall out of agreement with the enemy and come into agreement with God. So I renounce the fear of, and then whatever it is, I renounce the fear of heights. I renounce the fear of loss. I renounce the fear of rejection. Whatever the fear is that God shows you, I renounce it. I will no longer agree with it. That's the enemy's lie. That's the spirit of fear. I fall out of agreement. I'm not going to partner with that thing anymore. And after you've renounced it, then say, okay, God, what's your truth? What do you have for me instead? That lie's gone. That, that fear I've said no to, what do you have for me instead? At that, at that point, then I go back to the beginning again. God, is there any other root of fear? Is there any other root of fear? When I do this with, in, my, in my home and as a one-on-one ministry, we sometimes stay with this for hours because this is a big deal. And then you'll have a peace, and it's gone. There's no more fear in there. After all the fear is gone, after you've let go of all of the lies and all of the yuck and done all the forgiveness, then the spirit of fear has no more control. And you can just say, goodbye. Leave me be. Get out. I cast you off. And we're going to pray through that after we do the um, corporate ministry. Okay. So this is the time for ministry. And my dear, precious friend, Olga, God put her in my, as I'm praying, she was in my, my, my prayer this morning, so I called her and I asked her if she would be open to doing a model of this ministry. Whenever we model this, it's the real thing. We're not play-acting. So I'm, Olga has offered to, to go through a little mini ministry time right now. So Olga, come on up. And we're just going to let God see if there's anything. And like I already told Olga, if there isn't, that's great. You don't need to make something up, that's for sure. Thank you, Tom. So I'm going to give you this. Okay. 
So, Father God, we come before you right now, and I just thank you that you are such an amazing daddy, that we are your daughters, that Olga has the spirit of daughtership, the spirit of daughtership, that she doesn't have the spirit of slavery unto fear, but she's been freed. She's been transferred out of fear and into daughtership with your inheritance. Father God, we know that according to your word, Olga doesn't have a spirit of fear. You've given her power. You've given her love. You've given her a sound mind. So if there's any spirit of fear that is attempted to get in there, I pray for her right now that you reveal it and heal it and remove it today. So Father, we just submit and surrender this time to you, believing that you want above all for your children to prosper and to be in complete health. So we're just going to go into this time, Olga, where we're going to talk to Father and see if there's anything he wants to show you. So say, Father God. Father God. Are there any roots of fear in my life? Are there any roots of fear in my life? That you want to help me with tonight? You were just recently. I was just like, uh, I was, I remember, I just would got showed me that I was crying all the time because I, and uh, we were living uh, in an apartment building uh, on the top floor. Mm -hmm. And uh, try it again. We were living on the, in a building, okay. apartment building, building on the top floor. And um, once on the first floor, we had a family. And uh, they lost a uh, family member. Okay. And I was a child, and I got the fear that um, that somehow this dead person or person. Her spirit could okay. uh, harm me, especially when okay. I was going. Uh, that the dead person's spirit would harm you. Yeah. Okay. Like when I was going uh, home. Okay. Um, she could be behind me, and I kind of like almost like had the feeling that okay. was behind me. Okay, okay, okay. So I don't think there's anybody you need to forgive, but let's ask God, okay? Say, Father God, Father God is there somebody I need to forgive about this fear? So say, I choose to forgive my grandma, I choose to forgive my grandma for exposing me to those pictures of, of her dead son. Of what's 
when I was a little girl and I didn't understand. I choose to forgive her for sharing something with me that was not developmentally appropriate. I release myself from all harm that was done to me. And I let it go. Say, Father God, is there a lie? Is there a lie behind this fear? So I renounce the fear of dead people. I renounce the fear of dead people. I renounce the 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 uh, the unfounded fear. I renounce the unfounded fear that they can hurt me. That they can hurt me. Or would want to hurt me. Or they mm-hmm. want to hurt me. I renounce the fear. I renounce the fear. I choose to change my thinking. And my believing. I will no longer fear with the I will no longer partner with the fear of dead people. I will not longer partner with the fear of dead people. Harming me. Or haunting me. Father God. I hand to you this fear. What do you give me in return? Yes. Hallelujah. 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 That was beautiful, oh God. It's actually I didn't even know about that. She said she didn't even know about that fear. She didn't realize that was a fear. God revealed it to her just now. Wow. That's how he works. It's so simple. But something like that can really haunt you. Un with no reason. For no reason. And God says, no, let's get rid of that. There's no reason. And he showed her, yeah, you'll be reunited in heaven. That's the only time that that person's going to be interacting with you. Not here on earth. Awesome. Thank you, Olga. Thank Thank you. Thank you. So that's how simple. That's how simple it is here. This one is yours. So what we're going to do now, can't, you can go ahead and get that music going now, babe. We're going to do the same thing that Olga just did. And that's how simple it is. What I've seen in the ministry is that God is so loving and so tender and so simple. And he'll show you. He will show you if there is a lie you've been believing, if there's a spirit of fear that has been in your soul. And he will show it to you. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through this this list and I'm just going to lead you through the ministry your part is have your pen your paper ready because if God shows you something you want to write it down and we're just going to walk through this this is one of those be still and know that I am God times 
trust that you have a good daddy who wants you to be completely whole. And this is one of the ways that he does it, is by revealing and healing. So we're going to start by asking God this question. Say, Father God, do I have a root of fear in my life? showing you something, just jot it down. Now ask him, where and under what circumstances did this fear get started? Father God, is there someone I need to forgive? And if there is, go ahead and go through the the process of speaking out your forgiveness until you've spoken it all out. you've spoken out all the forgiveness that your heart holds then release them from harm say I release this person from all harm done to me I let it go and the next question I want you to ask is Father God, is there a lie behind this fear? If he's shown you that you have been believing a lie, then we need to make the choice to fall out of agreement with that lie, to renounce that lie. So I'm going to lead you through this. Say, I renounce the lie that I've been believing. And then just go ahead in your, in your own space and speak out that lie. I renounce the lie that, and then fill in the blank. I will no longer partner with this fear. 
I will no longer agree with this fear. Father God, I hand you this fear. I let it go. What do you have for me in exchange? Anybody that would like to share something that God gave to them in exchange? Olga? Oh, that's beautiful. So her fear was that she would be an orphan, that her mother, she was afraid when she was little that her mother would die and she'd be an orphan. And when she asked God, what do you have for me in exchange? She says, you're not an orphan. God said, you are not an orphan. You are my daughter. You will never be an orphan. Awesome. Somebody over here had something? Somebody raise their hand on this side? No? What I would like to do now, what, you, what I recommend that you do is to take this home in your prayer time this week and just pray through this with God. And then if, if, you are, if he helps you with one fear, then go back and say, are there any other roots of fear, God? Are there any other spirits of fear that I've been holding on to or roots of fear? And go through the same process. But what I want to do now to close is I want to speak this breaking off of the spirit of fear and replacing it with the spirit of sonship or the spirit of daughtership. So just repeat after me. I cast off the spirit of fear. Oh yeah. I cancel every agreement that I have made with the spirit of fear. I will no longer partner with the spirit of fear. I command the spirit of fear to remove your foothold from my life and leave me now in the name of Jesus and by the power of his blood. I claim back all ground and authority that the enemy has stolen. The spirit I have received is not a spirit of slavery to put me again into the bondage of fear. I have received the spirit of adoption. I am a daughter or a son of the Father. When I was adopted into the family of God, I was removed from the authority of my old father, Satan, with his authority of fear over me. Therefore, I no longer live 
under a spirit of fear. I have been endowed with power, with love, and with a sound mind. I am an heir of God, a joint heir with Christ. As a child of God, I am an heir of Abba Father's estate. Hallelujah. That's whose we are. That's what we are. We are the son, the daughter of God.